0: Chapter 15 of The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Debbie R. Baker Robinson. The Boy Scouts in the Maine Woods by Herbert Carter. The Fox Farmer say this is the greatest venison i ever tasted declared bumpus after he had disposed of his share and sighed to think that the rules of the game debarred him from having a second piece because they had had a bumper supper only a few hours before just dandy added giraffe who was in the same class as his fat campmate and would have been only too glad for an invitation to cut and come again oh exclaimed step hen suddenly I reckon we've got to congratulate you, giraffe. Me? What do you mean, step hen? replied the tall scout, at the same time beginning to look a trifle confused. Why, you know you told us we'd be surprised when we got back, the other went on to say a little maliciously, and I reckon you've gone and done it at last, and now you're ready to show us just how easy it works bumpus could not refrain for the life of him from giving a sarcastic chuckle which of course added to the evident embarrassment of giraffe who however assumed a serious air upon making his reply well er not exactly step hen i've got her figured out all right in my mind so that in the morning i can go ahead and work out the details I calculate a short half-hour ought to see me wind up in just a blaze of glory. But just yet, it's a toss-up who the ice cream's going to be on, Bumpus or me. Oh, I ain't worrying, even a little mite, asserted the confident Bumpus. Well, you wait and see, declared Giraffe defiantly. You don't all know what I've got up my sleeve. The feller that laughs last, laughs loudest, they say i give you all fair warning that's going to be me meanwhile tad managed to get in close touch with jim hasty when the others were joking and having a merry time he was wondering how the guide's little affair had been working out many hours had passed since he had seen jim and he wondered whether the latter could have had any further communication from old cale or even run across the father of his wife in the pine woods jim was looking a little more serious than ever but so far as tad could discover there was nothing about him to indicate that he had been in violent collision with an enemy and there were both his ears in their proper places which fact might be taken as positive proof that the giant poacher had at least so far not attempted to carry out his terrible threat jim seemed to know what was passing through the boy's mind for he smiled faintly and shook his head in the negative Nothing new happened then, Jim, questioned the patrol leader. No, I ain't been far from camp the whole blessed day, and consequently never had no chance to run up against Paul Martin, replied the other. But I'm more sot than ever to see him face to face afore I quits this here region. It's just got to be done, else I wouldn't have the nerve to face little Lena again. She made me promise, and by thunder, hain't gone to skeer me off. If he don't hunt me out by ding, I'll take a turn at it and find Kale Martin myself. If so will be, I got to tramp all the way to his shack, which I knows only too well. Good for you, Jim, said Tad admiringly. But I suppose you understand what risk you're taking in trying that game. From all I've heard about Cale Martin, he's surely a terror. And then the threat he made about your ears would be enough to scare most men away. Jim drew a long breath as he answered this. Lots of people don't know old Kale like I does. He ain't so black, nor they just paints him. Them game wardens is a fear to him, and they piles all kinds of things on his shoulders that he ain't no business to carry. Yes, I've heard before about giving a dog a bad name, and then he has to bear the sins of the whole neighborhood, remarked Tad. There is never a sheep killed, but that dog Tray is the guilty one. "'and so you think Kale isn't altogether so bad as we've heard? "'He's a big man, and he's got an orful temper, "'but it's them two critters he goes with. "'That's the wuss cases. "'They just draw em into slick games. "'Kale, he never think of tryin' left by hisself. "'But we heard as how he's struck a new thing. "'If so be, he only knows enough to keep it going "'and shakes them other fellers. "'And if anybody can make a success of frocks raising, I just guess Kale is their man, cause he knows all about the slick little varmints from A to Z. Fox-raising, exclaimed Tad, at once deeply interested. Tell me about that, Jim. Seems like it ought to be worth while listening to. Why, said Jim, apparently only too well pleased to say something in favor of the big and reckless parent of his little wife. You see... C- there's a company as he's been formed way down in Boston to raise foxes of all kinds, just to get the pelts. I suppose you knows as how them skins are getting more valuable every blessed year. More people to wear furs and less animals to give em Why, there was $1,200 paid for a black fox pelt just last spring, and I seen the check with my own eyes. Yes, Tad went on, deeply interested. I've understood that tremendous prices were being paid out for that scarred skin. But is Kale meaning to try and raise black or silver foxes for the market? I was told by several people that they considered the silver fox only a freak and that they would never breed true to species. How about that, Jim? I've allers had an IG that way myself, returned the short guide, scratching his head in a reflective manner. But Kale... He thinks the other way, and Cale, he sure knows more about foxes in a day than I would in a year. Well, we done heard as how he had made a contract with this company for a number of years to act as a manager of their farm. It's in another part of their state, and when Cale, he leaves here after a little while, he never expects to come back again. Wouldn't be surprised now if he had a few foxes over to their old shack as he means to carry away with him when he quits up here but do you suppose he'll stick to those two tough characters and keep them with him in his new job won't they queer his game with the company jim well i don't know of course what his plans be but cale he's a great feller to keep his word and if so be he's told his company as he'll run things straight just believe me they ain't going to be no place for them two poachers around his fox farm he'd run em off with his gun mighty quick Yes tail keeps his word, and that's what makes me a little bit shy about being able to convince him to leave my ears where they belongs. But Lena, bless her, says as how he just can't hold out when he hears what I got her tell him, and Lena, she order no. Tad admired the man more than ever. Just because of his faith in Lena, here was Jim ready to put his head in the lion's mouth, so to speak. Tad suspected that he might be carrying some very important intelligence to the bearded giant of the pine woods but whatever it was jim did not take the trouble to enlighten him and Tad did not really think he had any business to ask after that jim seemed to lapse into silence and seeing that he did not appear anxious to continue the talk along lines that concerned his personal matters the scoutmaster turned to the others again The hour was now getting rather late, and while those who had remained in camp during much of the day might not be unusually tired, Step-Hen gave signs of falling asleep by the fire. Several times his head gave a lurch to one side, so that presently Giraffe caught him roughly by the arm. "'See here, do you want to take a header square into the blaze, Step-Hen?' he demanded, as the other opened his eyes and looked sleepily at him. "'I like fires as well as anybody.' but excuse me from getting roasted in one. Don't you think he ought to be sent to bed, Mr. Scoutmaster? He's so loggy right now that the chances are ten to one he'll climb in and wrap the blanket around his head instead of his feet. Seems like you'll have to appoint a dry nurse to look after the poor baby, or else he may freeze to death in the night. But Step Hen did not wait for any permission to retire. He just crept away and vanished under the folds of the second tent which he shared with Tad and Davy Jones. Indeed, the others were that sleepy they declared they would not be long in following his example. Tad himself was the first to get up and stretch. It's late, fellas, and we ought to be turning in if we want to be good for anything tomorrow. And remember that if this sort of thing keeps up, we're going to change the program and let every scout have a share in keeping sentry duty working in couples. It doesn't seem exactly fair that when Eli and Jim have to work all day with the paddles or in any other way, they got to spend half the night standing guard. Hello, there's Eli right now coming in on the trot as if he had some news for us. What's up, Eli? the old guide had been down to the shore of the lake to take a look at the canoes and he was plainly bringing some sort of news if they could judge from his hasty steps and the look of concern on his dark face canoe comin along down yonder mount be kales a goin to pay us a visit he remarked and his words aroused the sleepy boys as thoroughly as though they had been ducked with a bucket of ice water they all hastened to step off toward the shore bumpus even picked up his gun possibly under the belief that there might be a speck of war on the horizon jim looked a trifle uneasy but there was a grimness in the way he shut his jaws together that told of his set purpose to face the music somehow or other before leaving this country of the eagle lakes there it comes announced giraffe in a half whisper as he pointed to the left They could soon all make out the dim, shadowy canoe that was stealing along some little distance from the shore and evidently bent on passing the camp. "'I can jest make out two fellers in her,' said Eli, who had sharp eyes. "'I reckon one of them must be old Kale, then. He seems to be shading his eyes with his hand, a-looking toward our fire and us a-standin' here,' Giraffe went on to say, though no one could be really positive because the light was so poor. The canoe passed by in this spectral fashion. There was no hail from those who sat in the boat, one using the paddle with the usual dexterity of a main guide. And, of course, none of the scouts thought of calling out, knowing who and what the voyagers were. "'I suppose that was old Kale in the bow,' remarked Tad, after the canoe had faded away. "'And he was a-looking for me, I kind of guess,' said Jim mournfully." at the same time as if mechanically raising a hand to feel of his ears. End of chapter 15